Good morning. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. A delight to have you with us on this Wednesday. And we are presented by Northeast Delta Dental with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And as we uh, celebrate the start of the NFL season, we're going to talk a little uh, football on this Wednesday morning with the uh, author Gary Myers. Gary, good morning to you. Good morning. How you doing? I am doing great. Uh, Gary, a longtime columnist for the New York Daily News and the Dallas Morning News, longtime cast member of HBO's Inside the NFL, a voter for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the author of uh, many books, uh, including the New York Times bestseller Brady vs. Manning, and his latest is Once a Giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. And, uh, Gary, I want to ask you, first off, as a, uh, a Hall of Fame voter, which uh, you are, uh, if Aaron Rodgers, who uh, tore his Achilles the other night, uh, ev- never takes another snap in the NFL, is he a Hall of Famer? Well, absolutely. Not only is he a Hall of Famer, but he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's been, you know, one of the best quarterbacks, uh, not only of this generation, but, you know, in NFL history. And it's just such a shame for Aaron, for the Jets, for the Jets fans that this happened because this was the number one storyline of the going into the the season is Aaron Rodgers' second act with uh, the Jets. You know, much like Tom Brady going to the Bucks in 2020. You know, I think everybody was really curious to see how this was going to work out, and it, it's he got hurt. Um, at any point this year, but to be on the fourth snap of the season, I, I mean, it's just it's just a sad story. No matter how you feel about Rodgers, no matter how you feel about the Jets or whatever, any time a play gets hurt like this, I think it's really sad. Oh, it is. There's there's no doubt about it. For the Jets and uh, for the NFL in, in general, I mean, because it was a very intriguing storyline for sure for the uh, 2023 season, and now... That's gone, and the Jets have to depend on uh, Zach Wilson. I'm, I'm sure they will uh, very shortly sign a uh, a veteran backup. Uh, I, I think that has to be in their plans. Oh, without question, yeah. that they'll um, they'll sign a veteran backup. It's just a it's just an issue of you know who's out there, you know who's yeah. available. Um, yeah. No team is no team is looking to help the Jets, so. You know, the chances of them picking up a, a quality quarterback in a trade right now are, are very slim. And then when you look at the free agency market, I think the most likely guy would be Joe Flacco. He's, he's been a Jet off and on for the last couple of years. Um, he's certainly better than Tim Boyle, who's the, the number two in the depth chart, you know, as we speak right now. Um, Maybe they'll try to talk Matt Ryan out of retirement. Maybe they'll even call Tom Brady. Yeah, that's, I don't think. I think I, I think everybody thought of that immediately, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't see Tom doing it, but if he did, 
And if he came out of retirement and led the Jets to the Super Bowl and they won it this year, <laughs> I think that would be one of the greatest sports stories in history. No doubt. But no doubt. The, the chance of him coming out of retirement, he doesn't sound like he wants to play anymore, for sure. It, it, that's true. Um, and I think he should stay retired because I saw signs last year for the first time that Tom was looking his age and he always said that, you know, when he reached that point that he wasn't playing well, that he would retire. He's very self-aware. And, um, even though competitively he might miss it, I don't think physically. Yeah. I, I even heard, uh, his old, uh, offensive coordinator, Charlie Weiss talking about the, the scenario of, uh, uh, bringing him to the jets. But, uh, like like you, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I I just you know, almost like if it was any other team, but that's one that the Patriot fans wouldn't forgive him for. Um, you know, you can go back in history. Babe Ruth gets traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees. Roger Clemens gets to the Yankees by way of the Toronto Blue Jays, and it had to be hard for Red Sox fans to see, you know, Clemens in the Yankees uniform. But I think that um, seeing Tom Brady in a Jets uniform would be pretty much unbearable for Patriots fans. Yeah. And I, I, I just don't see Tom doing it, but I think it would be a great story. Oh, yeah. I wish he would do it, because, but I don't see that happening. No, I, I, I think you're right. Let's talk about the 86 Giants who uh, won the Super Bowl in early 87 and Pasadena at the Rose Bowl over the uh, Denver Broncos under the leadership of uh, head coach Bill Parcells and his young defensive genius Bill Belichick. Uh, but not uh, not all involved uh, lived happily ever after. In fact, uh, uh, several of those Giants uh, contemplated suicide at one time or another. Yeah, I, I wanted to write this book because um, it was a way of telling this, of the challenges that NFL players face as they grow older, challenges that the average person doesn't because um, playing a collision sport like they did ha- has all kinds of ramifications and after effects on their lives, both mentally and physically, so uh, the 86 Giants were the right age group that I wanted to write about, guys that are mid to late 50s, all the way up to their late 60s by this point. And this, the story of the 86 Giants really could be the story of any team from that era, just in terms of the, the challenges that they're going through. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of unique stories in, in this book that pertain to just these players in particular, but I think the mental health issues and, and the physical challenges, in some cases the financial challenges, because you have to remember the players didn't make nearly what the, in those days what they're making now, and nobody was making necessarily life-changing money in those days. So, you know, after, as they've reached this point in their lives, there have been a lot of problems, and, and like you mentioned, there are five. There are five players in the book who admitted to me on the record that um, things had gotten so bad at one point that they did contemplate suicide. And you know, fortunately, they sought help and, and were able to overcome 
those thoughts, and um, and their lives are very good today. Well, that is uh, that is good to hear. In fact, uh, even uh, quarterback Phil Sims. Uh, suffered greatly uh, long after his uh, career uh, came to an end. Yeah, now he was not one of the five players that no. I just referred to. No, but I know uh, he so had issues, yeah. Yeah, so I just want to make that clear. Yeah, he had major back issues uh, as recently as eight years ago. He had already undergone three surgeries, and he, he was in just such excruciating pain on a daily basis that he was beside himself. I tell the story in the book, and I don't want to necessarily get too detailed here, but um, he, he he was just home one night. He had visited the Giants doctors before a preseason game at Giants Stadium. Actually, it was MetLife Stadium at that point, and and went home went home and just stayed a little bit, and he. He was just thinking, is this what my life is going to be like? Is, is this the rest of my years? They're going to be living in such pain because he felt he had tried everything he could to, uh, to fix the issue. And then, he, you know, through his son, Chris, who played in the NFL, uh, he found a, a doctor in, um, in Denver. Uh, it, it wasn't a chiropractor, but it was something like a muscle activation doctor you know some funky title like that and 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 the guy was able to help phil and, and phil credits him with saving his life because the, the pain was just that bad mm. excruciating pain and uh i'm glad that he is he is recovered and uh it still still looks great on tv every week so <laughs> that's a good yeah that's, you're right yeah exactly uh, let's get to the head coach, uh, Bill Parcells. And, you know, he admitted that uh, he was not for everybody, uh, but uh, many of his players uh, still uh, maintain a close relationship with him. And he really has been uh, very, very generous with his, uh, with his former players. Yeah, I mean, he, he set aside money that he needs to live the rest of his life. And he set aside money for his kids. And where he's not going out and advertising, you know, to his former players that he's, he's willing to help them. They know that in, in their greatest time of need, if they have nowhere else to turn, that, that Bill is willing to, uh, to assist them. And it's one of the more heartwarming stories in the book that he went from hard-driving coach who had a love-hate relationship with a lot of his players to being the, the, the patriarch of this team as Bill is now in his early 80s and has a great relationship with, with all of his former players. Many of them, and this is so unusual, many of them, but they call him on Father's Day, they, they call him during the rest of the year to check up. He same with them. Um, the story how their relationship well, it's 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 good to hear. It's it's really heartwarming to hear the relationship uh, that he has with his his former players, and and we'll get to one uh, specific uh, example of that uh, coming up uh, after this break. Our guest is uh, Gary Myers, and he is the author of a brand new book called Once a Giant: A Story of Victory, Tragedy, and Life After Football. And we'll have more with Gary Myers right after these words. 
Kale and Company continues here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Kale and Company here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Gary Myers is our guest. Gary, the author of the just-released book, Once a Giant, a Story of Victory, Tragedy, and Life After Football. And uh, we were talking about the generosity of uh, Bill Parcells and the relationship he still has with some of his uh, former players. And and, and one of those uh, stories uh, involves uh, former Giants wide receiver uh, Bobby Johnson. Tell us about that one. Yeah, well, Bobby... um is one of the really sad stories um, in this book in that he was his own worst enemy. He was a good player, and Phil Sims really trusted him as a receiver, but Bobby got himself addicted to crack cocaine, you know, early, really early in his career. And um, by 1986, the, the Super Bowl season, he had really become unreliable uh mostly off the field, but then the 86 championship game, he went on a binge the night before the game and showed up 15 minutes. He showed up minutes before the game. Um, and then the Super Bowl turned out to be the last game he ever played. Well, you fast forward a few years, needed money. He, uh, he pawned the Super Bowl ring for $450. Obviously it was worth a lot more than that, but he had intended to buy it back. So he intentionally uh, sold it at a low price. He needed the money for drugs and food and to stay in a, in a really cheap hotel. Well, he went through that money, you know, really quickly and didn't have, uh, back and the ring eventually wound up in the hands of a, of a memorabilia dealer at a Super Bowl in Atlanta at which time it was bought for $10,000 by a really, really big Giants fan who lived on Long Island. Um, I wrote a story in 2007 on the 20-year anniversary of the Giants Super Bowl about what happened to the ring. I went down to see Bobby in Tennessee, and I, I wrote a long story about him and then you know what happened to the ring. And then about, I think it was 2016 or 17, somewhere around there, ESPN did a story with Bobby. In fact, it was Michelle Beisner Buck, who works for ESPN, Joe Buck's wife, uh, did a piece. And a good friend of Parcells saw it and said, we got to get that ring back for that guy. And Bill only agreed to do it when he found out and got it verified that Bobby had gotten his life straightened out because he didn't want to get him back the ring and then he was going to go, right. you know, pawn it again. And he had seen Bobby at a reunion, um, I think it was in 2011, and he seemed to believe that Bobby had gotten things straightened out and he was a changed person. But, he, you know, he verified that things were still good, you know, five or six years later. And they tracked down the guy who had the ring and they bought it back for $30,000. And Chris Mara, who was in Trattle Ring, um, presented it to Bobby at a reunion weekend at MetLife Stadium uh, a few years ago. And Bobby was 
in tears. It was really, it was really a neat story. Um, and I don't think he takes that ring off. Wow. He felt so empty without it. And it, he was so regret. He so much regretted pawning it and being in the position he was that he had upon it. That when he got it back, he was just so grateful to Parcells and the others who had helped that, um, Whenever I ask Bobby where the ring is now, he says it's on my finger. So I don't think he ever takes it off. <laughs> that that is a, a terrific story, really. Uh, of course, the the most talked about player on that team was LT uh, Lawrence Taylor, and his cocaine and crack issues were well documented during his playing career. And I know you had a chance to ask uh, LT if he thought he would have been a, a better player without uh, the substance abuse. Yeah, he just said a good question. And I phrased it like, you know, in my opinion, the player in history. So I think if you are than that, I think you could have been even better. And he didn't disagree with that. It's just, you know, one of those questions you, you, you don't know. Imagine that. You would have to think care wasn't on drugs I but you know I think there were nights before games that he certainly did things he shouldn't be doing but that he there were some days that he could have been even better if um if he didn't have these issues and but although his message to anybody who would ask now would be do everything you can to stay away from drugs there's nothing that good that could come with that um, when I asked him, would he do it over again? He just said that he's happy where he is in his life right now. And and people know him, not because of the drugs. I mean, nobody wants to be known because of that. But because of, um, you know, just wild image. And I don't think he necessarily regrets that part of it. Hmm. Interesting. But... Again, the the great thing about Lawrence right now, and these guys, addicts are never cured. I mean, everybody knows that. It's a, they're a work in progress. Um, they're always recovering addicts. They're not cured. And Lawrence, like all of them, is taking it a day at a time. When he got out of it in 1998, he's never done cocaine again, and there's never been any stories about him and cocaine since then. Now he's gotten himself into plenty of bad situations. Some of them, you know, reprehensible, such as that story with the underage prostitute from 2010. But if you're going to judge him on how he is today, um, I think he's in a better place now than he ever has been. And to me, and I've known him since 1981, he seemed happier and healthier when I met with him last year than at any other point. So, you know, for that, I, I think that he's got things. You know, he's in a good place right now. That's the best way to say it. Well, that's, that is good to hear. How, what was the relationship like uh, uh, between Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick uh, during their time with the Giants? Uh, I think they work great together. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't easy for Belichick because Parcells' strength was defense. And, you know, Bill was a def- and Belichick was a defensive coordinator. And before Belichick was a defensive coordinator, Parcells was. 
So he, he knew he had a boss that was going to be tough to please because he knew as much as, as, as Belichick did. But I do think as time went on that Parcells, you know, trusted Belichick more and more and, and gave him, you know, complete autonomy running the defense, but was professional in those days. And then everybody knows the story when they wound up with the Jets together. They had a big falling out. It had to do with Belichick going to the Patriots rather than succeeding Parcells as the, as the Jets coach. And they didn't speak to each other for a number of years. But right now, I think really for the first time, they're actually friends rather than just having what was a business relationship that they, they visit often. Season in Florida where they both have houses and uh, they get together often. So I think that story has a happy ending, despite a lot of the the potholes that they uh, experienced, uh, you know, through the years that they worked together. Uh, Gary, it's a a fabulous book. Uh, No no question about that. With a lot of insight, you had uh, tremendous access. How how did you get the the great access that you had? Well, it's it's just because I've had long-term relationships with these guys. And, um, you know, stayed in touch with so many of them after they retired from football that when I decided I wanted to do this book and contacted them, they were, nobody said no. And even better than that, they were extremely forthcoming with some really personal, sensitive uh, issues in their lives. And, you know, I'm very thankful to them for being so open and honest with me. And I, I think this is a book that... You don't have to be a Giants fan to want to read. It's really a book about life after football. And it just happens to be about the 86 Giants, but it really could be about any team because these guys go through the same problems uh, caused by you know, a career in such a violent sport. Now, it is a, a terrific read. And uh, Gary, I appreciate your time this morning. And uh, thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you. And I know there are still a lot of Giant fans in the New England area. Oh, yeah, so, uh, absolutely. I, I was as a kid. I could tell you more Giants from 1964 than I can now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people like you. and um, uh, But, you know, people like you and others who are just football fans, I think, will really enjoy the book. And I thank you so much for having me on this morning. Gary, it is uh, our pleasure. Thank you so much and best success uh, with the book. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Gary Myers, the book again, Once a Giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. And uh, like he said, I know uh, people of a certain age, like my certain age, can tell you more Giants from the the 60s and the 70s and the 80s than they can name now. I I can almost guarantee that. So it's a terrific read, especially for uh, people who have a, a history with the Giants. We'll take a break. Kale and Company will continue right after these words on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We are back. Kale and Company live right here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has. Individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at DeltaDentalCoversMe.com. 
Or what else? Where else? Or healthcare.gov. Well, there you go. Well, that that happens to be the uh, president and CEO of uh, Northeast Delta Dental, Tom Raffio, calling in on a Wednesday because, folks, tomorrow and Friday he's got to do his job. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) People ask me, do I really run Northeast Delta Dental? Yes, I'm the leader. I'm the head coach. You're the leader of the pack. And uh, I have some great employees and board members that allow me to get out there in the community and have that aspect of my job. But Boy, and you do. You do. I mean, nobody is out in the community more uh, than you and your wife, Ellen, and uh, your granddaughter, Havana, who everybody loves and adores. And uh, it's always great to see the, the trio. And now I'm dragging you along, so you know what it's like. So I had, know what it's like. I, we, had the, we, we had the dare race a week ago. That was great. And uh, for the listening audience, uh, Ellen won the race. But more importantly, uh, Ken took one for the Gipper, so to speak. And uh, um, how do I put this? Managed Havana while Ellen was running and I was running. Havana did a mile around the Oval. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me, Tom, because I know they have... Prior to many of these races, they have a fun run for the kids. And most of the time, what, it's maybe about 100 yards or something like that? At most, right. This was the real mile. (laughs) The real magic mile around the track on a steaming hot night on concrete. I I mean, it was uh, just amazing what what she did, what Havana did at at four years old. And then uh, she... uh her face was ruddy, reddish, and I said, hey, your face is red. No, it's not. And, of course, <laughs> the other thing the listed audience needs to know, I gave Havana a choice between a very nice, retired major of the state trooper to hang with or a Ken, and she goes, no, I want Ken. I want Ken. <laughs> so poor Ken, who came to uh, walk, run with me, had to... Uh, put on the sidelines but well, thank you it for was that. okay then, it was okay it really it really was and uh i i enjoyed i always enjoy spending time with havana she's and then, she's and too then friday we dragged ken and kitty again to the uh, after the show we had the golf tournament at uh, breakfast hills a fundraiser for our foundation oral health for the underserved and uh, ken and kitty did great it was another beautiful day and what was great about it is as soon as everything was done lunch awards etc then the lightning and thunder came. Right. We were- uh, it, the timing was excellent. You know, I mean, it didn't interfere with the uh, the tournament at all. And uh, had the chance for the first time to meet uh, Mike Petroselli, uh, the son of uh, the legendary Rico Petroselli. And uh, first of all, I, I couldn't believe how tall he was. Yeah, I don't know with- where he got his height. Yeah. Because Rico's <laughs> like 5'8". Yeah. Um, yeah, he's about and, my size. Uh, and he is very uh, you know, he's stock, he's well built. So yep. Obviously, he had 40 home runs and stuff. But Mike's got to be at least six uh, four. Great guy. Yep. Rico was on the injured reserve, so Rico was going to golf, of course, with Kitty and Ken. And but he'll be back uh, next year. Uh, right there. Celebrity, celebrity golf. So it was a great turnout. We had 120 people. And then just th- thinking ahead, this for my uh, running friends. So this Sunday at one o'clock at uh, NHTI. We're doing still another run for uh, for Tom Walton, a fundraiser for the Tom and Deb Walton Scholarship Fund, which we're establishing um, at NHTI. So the, the run begins at 1 o'clock. So um, you can register on the fly. If you do that, um, come on over around 1230. And I don't know if Ken and Kitty, you're, you're free, but uh, there's uh, the walkers begin a 2K walk at 110, and the runners start at uh, 
one o'clock with a with a four k. So um, it's a great fundraiser, and we're trying to honor you know Tom's you know Tom's memory. And there's a race earlier that morning in Millennium, the halfway to St. Patrick's Day, and people that do the double, um, which I'm going to be doing with Ellen, will give you a special prize for doing the wow. race in the morning and then doing the second race in the afternoon. All in good fun and, right. and recognizing uh, Absolutely. Tom and Debbie Walton. Absolutely, and and you have an NHTI Hall of Fame event. Yeah, on so Friday. Friday, so yeah, so Perry Seagros, uh, who is co coached with Tom, and both are legendary. They they've won championships in the college division that that they're in, and Perry himself is an incredible runner. So he's being in getting into the Hall of Fame along with uh, some soccer players. So um, right after that ceremony, I'll be joining you at. Uh, Northeast Delta Dental Stadium for one of the last uh, Fisher Cats games. Can't believe this. I know, and part of this is our age, Ken, I know, but this summer went by like in two seconds. Oh, it did. It did. What we had of it, anyway. We've That's had more true. summer in the last couple of weeks than, than we had in uh, July and August. It's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> but anyway, we'll be there. For, so we'll be, uh, we'll be a little tardy, but we'll, uh, we'll join you there after we... Uh, uh, we recognize uh, Perry. He'll be a little tardy. Right. You and Ellen will be a little tardy for the party, and uh, you got but, it. But we'll 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 be there, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. Final week for the Fisher Cats at Delta Dental Stadium uh, for the 2023 season, and, and no playoffs. No playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> but they are playing the Yankees Double uh, A affiliate, the Somerset Patriots. So they are. Uh, well, hopefully, uh, I like your theory that both the uh, Yankees and Red Sox, the major league teams, are going to end up uh, 81 and 81. That would be interesting. I, they're heading in that direction, which, both, is, which uh, is not a good I mean, direction. But No, <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually kind of sad uh, the way uh, Heim Bloom and the ownership is now running the club just to maybe be competitive, get get value from picks and whatever. But they just, they just don't have any pitching, um, and even their hitters. I mean, I know everybody thinks Kristen Costas, what his name is Tristan, but I mean he's like a 240 hitter. I mean, so he'll hit 30 home runs and strike out half the time. But I don't know. It just seems like it, uh, it's pathetic to watch, candidly. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, but there and may you, be some hope. Uh, you know, Sedan uh, uh, Rafaela hit his first major league home run last night, and uh, now this is an exaggeration, I know, but there are some people who have seen him play in the minor leagues. That compare him, compare him to Mookie Betts. Well, they should have just kept Mookie Betts. How about that? Uh, yeah, so. yeah. Well, that would have been uh, preferable. Yes, I that. still say that uh, right up there with selling Babe Ruth, uh, trading Mookie Betts, Danny Cater for Sparky Lyle, some of the worst moves that the Red Sox have ever done. Are you ready for my breaking news? Well, though? yes. I just before Tom called in, he he texted me and says he had some breaking news. <laughs> that we, we have to work on a breaking news sounder here at WKXL because we we've broken some news in the last couple of weeks. You know, we, we've had it first here on WKXL, but uh, in the meantime, uh, what what is the uh, breaking news? Well, this I have two: one serious and one's more informational. On a serious note, they did find that fugitive in Pennsylvania. Oh, so oh, that's good. I, I hadn't heard that. They just, uh, as I was calling in, I uh, just got that breaking news. That's that's true. 
it can be verified they did. Well, that's they, good. And one that escaped from prison uh, yeah, a couple they of did days find ago. Him, yeah. Right, and he shaved and then got a rifle somehow. And Anyway, yep. so he's found. So the people in that area are comfortable. And then the more more informational thing, this is this is a real scoop. This is and it's baseball re- related, but we're speaking with Rick Brenner, who's one of the uh, owners of the Fisher Cats. Yeah, yeah. We're going to try something new with the Granite State baseball dinner, and instead of having it in, well, last year we did it as you recall in September at the ballpark. Yeah. Usually it was right before Thanksgiving in the hotel. Yeah. This year we're going to do it actually in April, not uh, November. Ah. And the way it's, it'll, it will be at the, uh, the Radisson the hotel. But what what it will be is kind of a kickoff to the season. So like we'll introduce the um, Fisher Cats players. Ah. Yeah. Maybe get like one celebrity um, from Toronto Blue Jays, and we'll kick it off in April. So I wanted to give everybody that breaking news because. People might be thinking, why haven't I heard from Tom about, you know, becoming a sponsor for the baseball I, I, dinner? I was wondering, uh, you know, why we hadn't heard a, a little bit more about the baseball dinner, but with good reason, because it's going to be in April, folks. Well, we don't have a date yet, but it'll be like right as the season starts. Right, so early April. It'll be early April of 2024. There you go. Exactly. So uh, am I hanging on after the break? Y- yes, you are. Yes, you I've are. i my football pick. You are hanging on right after the break because uh, Tom is tied up the next couple of days, won't be able to make the fun bunch on Friday, and then uh, uh, we're going to be away the following week, so we have to do two weeks' worth of A picks. lot of picks. Yes. A lot of picks, but thanks for letting me... Uh do my real job so I can do my fun stuff, too, you know? Well, well absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, you guys do it so well, uh, the fun stuff and the real stuff. Oh, so we'll, ta- we'll take a break, and Tom Raphael will return right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Here we go, Tom, presented by Northeast, Northeast Delta, Delta Dental. Dental. Individual and family plans, deltadentalcoversme.com or healthcare.gov. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and uh, Tom Raffio, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental, uh, joins us. And uh, just before you, we had a a gentleman by the name of uh, Gary Myers on the program talking about his new book, uh, Once a Giant, A Story of Victory, Tragedy, and Life After Football. Uh, A great book. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I thought, Tom, of all people, you might appreciate this little excerpt uh, from the book. So it's about Bill Parcells. The tuna. What did they say about the tuna? Well, Bill Parcells uh, spent a lot of his youth in the summer in Seagirt, which is a community on the Jersey Shore. And he would later own a house there. But he did not in 1986. But that did not prevent him from leaving his office at about 8.30 p.m. at night, a couple of times during the season, driving 65 miles to Seagirt and hanging out all night. It was a stress reliever to mitigate the pressure of the season. Parcells either slept on a beach, uh, uh, on the bench, uh, uh, on a bench on the beach, or he would sleep in his car. And when he woke up, At 5 a.m. before the sun came up, he would take a dip in the Atlantic Ocean, 
change his clothes, and be back in his office by 7 a.m. None of his coaches or players were aware of his overnight excursions. And in the words of Lawrence Taylor, he said, if I had known he was doing that blank, I would have him. I would have had him put in a mental hospital. <laughs> <laughs> well, the football coaches, you know, you hear all, all those stories like Don Coriel sleeping in his office, yeah, so on. I mean, they uh, definitely uh, go overboard with their planning and dealing with the stress. And of course, you know, it's so hard. Uh, the National Football League, you know, every every victory, you're you're counting on, you know, field goal kickers. You're counting on young men in their 20s, you know, to do the right thing on the field. It's obviously very stressful. But that 86 team, as I texted you, that was an outstanding team. They, oh, were, by, yeah. they, they were by far the best team in the league. When they won a few years later, um, they weren't nearly as good, but they lucked out when Scotty Norwood. I mean, I think Buffalo, that was the one year Buffalo should have won the World right. uh, the oh, yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. But Scotty Norwood was wide right. Um, and, but that and, was a long kick, though. I mean, it was a long. It was like a forty-nine yarder, I think. Yeah, I, I think nowadays yeah. it would be considered a, an easier kick. But then you're right. Yeah. But the other thing was, Parcel was they really he really coached really well because that was the year that Buffalo had you know the no huddle offense, which I now now know is common. But they would race up and down the field and score thirty points. But they took the air out of the ball and. Ran it and it was a low. It was ended up being a low-scoring game, and they won. And the Giants won their second Super Bowl, and then of course later under Coughlin they won two more. So they have a yeah. four for Joe. So I'm, I'm definitely getting that book. The tune is definitely interesting guy. <laughs> and, and you know what he is given, uh, and a lot of those players on that team, and I'm sure you know this is a typical of of teams uh, in that era and before and beyond uh, that uh, they had uh, you know players that had real issues following their playing careers because uh, of the damage they suffered playing the game sure. and and, uh, and and five or six of them contemplated suicide and uh, Phil Sims had some extreme physical issues long after his playing career uh, came to an end sure uh, he, and, and, and he's uh, done and he's done so well now on uh, yeah. TV and of course Lawrence Taylor had all sorts of drug issues yeah yeah, and Bobby so Johnson uh, was a wide receiver on that team. I don't know if you remember him or not, but uh, Bobby Johnson uh, had a, uh, a cocaine, crack cocaine sure. issue. And uh, the last game he ever played was that Super Bowl uh, against uh, Denver. In, well, it was the 86 team. It was played in 87. That was the last game he ever played. Got his Super Bowl ring. And then a few years later, pawned it to get cocaine Pondered for $450. Yeah, yes, a lot of those stories. And then, a number of years after that, in 2016, uh, uh, Bill Parcells found out that he had pawned the ring, and uh, he was instrumental in buying it back for Bobby Johnson for $30,000. That's good. There's a lot of... This, uh, there's a lot of uh Good stuff about Bill Parcells. I read his book, yeah, yeah, um, which was a you know separate book, and definitely he was a character, but he also had some really good yeah. human traits. And of course, you know, Bill Belichick served under him. Yeah, got two of those Super Bowls as an assistant coach, and ultimately, Bill Parcells allowed um, 
Bill Belichick to go from the Jets to the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots gave them some draft choices, and the rest is history. I guess they've reconciled hey, Bill and Bill. That's what uh, that's what Gary said. That uh, actually they're better friends now than they have ever been, and uh, they both own homes in the same area of uh, Florida, and uh, you know during the off season. Uh, get together uh, quite a few times. So uh, at a, at a coffee shop at six thirty a.m. It said so. Uh, <laughs> so good to hear. Uh, apparently, yes, they have reconciled. They they did have a period of years where they did not talk at all uh, after he uh, after Belichick left the Jets. Uh, but uh, you know now apparently they're like best friends. So that, that's right. that's good to hear. And uh, remember how he left the Jets with a very succinct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one one sentence handwritten note, you know. I resign as HOC yeah. of the Jets. Yeah. And speaking uh, of the, of the Jets, NY I feel Jets. bad. Yeah. I feel bad for. I really do feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. But of course, that uh, will make the Jets less competitive, which ultimately will help the Patriots. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, G- Gary Myers, who we had on, is a uh, Hall of Fame voter, and uh, I asked him if. Uh, you know, if Aaron Rodgers, if he never played again, which I think is a very distinct possibility that he will never play in the NFL again, uh, would he be a Hall of Famer? And he said, not only a Hall of Famer, but a first ballot, first ballot Hall of definitely. Famer. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's true. He really should have won a couple more Super Bowls, but if you look at his stats and his win-loss record uh, and so few interceptions, although he had a few more last year, definitely, and I think the only... It's kind of like, you know, Kevin Garnett and Patrice Bergeron. They really should have won more than one championship. But, you know, in professional sports, you've got to cherish each one. That's why the run, the run that you can kind of hear Havana in the background now. But that's why you have to cherish each championship and the run that Boston went in. You know, six Patriots, four yeah. Red Sox, and one each for the Celtics and Bruins in this first part of the 21st century. It's pretty impressive because each one is so so hard to get. Yeah, because we both know how many uh, Ted Williams and Carl Yastrzemski won combined. Oh, yeah. yeah. God, I'm and still... And that would be a big, fat zero. Yeah. You're at 75 is still killing me. Yeah. Bill Lee in the blooper pitch. Um, and then, of course, 86... I know Yaz had retired by then, but 86, that would have given Jim Rice one. Yeah. I still think it was Calvin Chiraldi's... It wasn't Bill Buckner. We had two out, oh. nobody on, oh. two strikes on the batter. They uh, couldn't get him out. Remind me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I better get to the picks, be- right? You, you better get to the picks because, but, you know, as really, you know, we're running out of time here. We are, yeah. but I uh, I really love the Where's Time commercial. I, 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 I not, love it. I sing along to it all the time. I do. Nothing. Yeah. I, I, I love listening to you, but I love the Where's Time commercial even better. And, um, and, I, and, uh, and their, their sports writer is pretty good, too, Mike Moffat. Ah, my, oh, yeah. I love Mike. Yeah. And we might might see Mike at the Hall of Fame Friday night. Yeah, there so, you go. Oh, I'm sure so, you will. So I know uh, Kat is like... I know. She's saying we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, All we right. got like a minute. Here we go. All right. <laughs> we, here we go. We, Cincinnati, we, we, we've Ravens. been in two weeks here now. And your winners, let's see. Uh, Baltimore at Cincinnati. Ravens. Seattle at Detroit. Detroit. San Francisco at the L.A. Rams. San Francisco. Miami at the Patriots Sunday night. Patriots. And then Monday night, it's Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Steelers. All right, that's week two. Week three, Patriots at the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. The Pats. Denver at Miami. Denver. Pittsburgh at Vegas. Vegas. Philly at Tampa Bay. 
Philly. And the L.A. Rams at Cincinnati. Bengals. There you go. We made it. We made we it made, under the gun. We haven't and, even heard the music yet. And, and we, oh my God! And you, you, and you and Kitty are three and two, and I'm two and three. So I'm, I'm going to make my comeback over the next two weeks. You hey, watch. I, uh, listen, that's what I'm afraid of. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, just real quick for my veterans friends, if you need health or health, you're in oral health pain, you need some help. Give me a call at two two three. 1300. And Ken, thanks for accommodating me, and I'll see you Friday night. Tom, I will look forward to that. Have a great day, and uh, we will see you soon. Thanks, Kenny. Take care. Uh, all Bye. right. Tom Raffio, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental. Well, we got it all in. Had a great chat with uh, Gary Myers today on this the opening week of the NFL season. We're doing a little football this week, as, as you've heard, and uh, we'll do a little bit more tomorrow uh, right here, and we'll do a little science as well on the show. I won't be doing any science, but uh, we have an author coming on that's going to talk a little bit about the world of science uh, tomorrow. And then the Friday, the fun bunch without Tom Raffio, who uh, actually has to work once in a while for uh, Northeast Delta Dental. And that'll do it for this edition of Kale and Company. We thank you very much for listening. And if you missed any of it or just want to hear it again tonight, right after 7 o'clock on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Make it a good day, everybody, and always look on the bright side of life.